Amen. Come on, make some noise if you're ready to get started today. It's going to be a good, 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 good day. God's going to do some amazing things. We're so glad that you're here. You can go ahead and, uh, and, 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 and start your notes with this title today, and, and I'm going to get rolling, but um, start your notes with this title. Eliminate the escape. Eliminate the escape. Uh, if you have the new Radiate Church app, uh, the notes are right there in the sermon notes section of that app. If you don't have that, uh, go, if you have the old one, delete that one. Go to the app store, download the new one, and it's got the, the notes right there in our Radiate Church app. And so we're glad. I want to say this really quick. I want to tell all of our first-time guests and second-time guests from me to you, thank you for being here. We honor you and welcome home. Give it up one more time for them. We're so glad you're here. Um, and on your seats, most seats have, I, I was told I needed to say this at the beginning, uh, most seats have a paper. Uh, they've had a paper every week with the devotionals on it. Hopefully you're doing those at home and you've gotten those. However, uh, I was told we ran out for all the seats uh, this time, which is an amazing thing. People are taking the word of God home. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to post that online, the PDF online this week. Uh, so if you don't have that, you can get that, print it off on your own. It'll be on tomorrow, okay? Um, and so make sure you do that. We're really excited about what God's doing in marriages and things like that, all right? So we're so excited. We're ready to go. Eight salvations already this month. Two today, two today. So we're going to talk about eliminating the escape in week three of Love Handles. How many of you guys, when you were dating, when you were engaged, maybe now, you were attracted to someone that was the opposite of you, right? Anybody in the room? Because they say what? They say what? We're going to get started with fights today. They say what? Opposites uh, attract. And, and, and they do. Opposites attract because when you're dating, it's cute, man. It, it's cute that you think opposite of me and act completely different. But if we're not careful whenever we get married, not only do opposites attract, but opposites uh, attack, Opposites attack, you know, and, and things shift. Things shift as you move from, from dating where you don't see each other all the time, but you talk to each other, to, to where when you get engaged, you still don't see each other all the time, to where all of a sudden it's like overnight, literally, we're together 24 hours a day, and now your opposite gets on my ever-loving nerve. Right? <laughs> Somebody already said preach to me today. We're, they're, they're doghouse. There you go. Um. How many of you in your relationship are the punctual ones, right? You're the punctual, you're on time, you're there on time. There's not a lot of you, and I know that because I see what it looks like during the first song. And then after the greeting, all of a sudden the room is full. You are not punctual, okay? Now be honest, how many of you guys are the late ones? All right, everybody raise your hand. Again, there was about 20 of you in the first song. No, I'm just kidding, I'm giving you a hard time. Right, so I, I, uh, that's, that's, that's a point of contention. That's an opposite subtract. Some people just don't care if they're late, you know? It's like, oh, whatever, they're waiting on me. I'm the life of the party, you know? And some people, you freak out if you're 10 minutes early. Because if you're, Lou Holtz used to say this, if you're late early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. You know what? <laughs> Man, ain't clapped one time in six months of messages and clap for that. I'm <laughs> just kidding punctual and late, right? And it can be a source of contention if you're not careful, right? Because y'all know what I'm talking about. You want to be, one of you wants to be at, at church on time and the other one doesn't and the other one's not even taking a shower and you got five minutes so you got to leave. So they jump in the shower and you're like, you can't worship God in your boxers in front of everybody, right? So you get in this fight and then you're in the car and you're yelling and you're screaming and your kids are laughing and you're like, it's not funny! 
Mommy and Daddy are just discussing things right now. Right? And we're going through this thing, and then you walk in the door and say, Hey, welcome to church. Right? Source of contention. You get back in the car, and it's like, We need to talk about what happened before we got there. It's just... It's just like opposites attract sometimes. How many of you guys are the, the spenders in your relationship, right? The spender. Come on, come on, be honest. I see some couples where both hands are raised. Dave Ramsey is your friend, all right? How many of you are the savers in your relationship, right? There's way less of you. <laughs> way le- I heard somebody tell me before, service, before this uh, experience today, they said, uh, man, it, I'm a sucker for anything that's on sale. If it's on sale, I'm going to buy it. He said he walked in there and saw a clearance of miniature flashlights for $2 the other day and bought like 20 I was like, for what? He goes, I don't know, but I got a flashlight in all the drawers in my house now. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was great. Right? Opposites attract. How many of you guys are homebodies? Anybody a homebody? Like you just, my wife's got a coffee cup and it says this. It says, my favorite night out is a night in. All right? Some of you guys are like, yes. Yes, right here. That's me. I'm, how many of you are, (laughs) I'm having a little too much fun with this. How many of you guys are like me and you just want to go and you don't know where you're going. You just want to go somewhere, right? I'm the kind that's like, no, my favorite night out is anywhere, anywhere, right? I'll go just drive around. I used to get bored when I lived by myself. I'd get bored, jump in my truck and just go drive around town just for no reason. I'm that guy. I'm always on go and and the older I get, now I will say this, the more homebody I am, right? Opposites, opposites attract. But if we're not careful, in the opposites attract, opposites attack, and that's kind of a fun way to put it, but if we're not careful and we don't eliminate the escape, the opposites become annoying and they grate our nerves and they go against the grain of our, 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 who we are and all this stuff. And if we don't eliminate the escape, we will fall into divorce court faster than we fell in love. Because we're in love, we fell in love, and everything's great. Now all of a sudden you get on my nerves and I can't do this anymore. And we have to come to a place to where we eliminate the escape because if there's always an escape hatch, we'll find a way to open it. But if we eliminate it and go, there is no escape, there is no way out, I'm committed to you because I love you, I'm committed to you because I believe in you, I'm committed to you because God's committed to you, and because of that, I will always fight for what's right. Now, let me clarify a couple things off the front, right? So I know the nature of, of who's in, our, group, in, our, in our, our congregation, right? I don't call you personally. I don't sit down and have conversations with you all the time over coffee, things. I wish I could. There's just too many people. I can't do all that. And there's going to be so many more people than what you see in the room now that I'll never be able to do all of that. But here's what I do know. I know I got my hand on the pulse of this church. And so I know there's people in the room that you've been in a previous relationship and you've been divorced. Can I just tell you this? When I talk about eliminate the escape, I'm talking about from today forward. I'm not talking about the mistakes or the problems or the frustrations or the hurts or the pains from the past. I'm talking about today forward because if you go back and listen to last week, we got to drop our baggage off anyway and we got to get rid of the baggage and quit carrying it into present relationships because it'll ruin everything in the future. I'm talking about starting today, everything changes. And we'll eliminate the escape. I also am not talking about this. If you're in an abusive relationship, I will not look at you and tell you to stay in that. I will say this. You need to separate yourself from the abuse. You need to find professional help and get to a place to where you can get help, get safe, and get through it together. Go find a counselor. Go find whatever you need to find to get through this thing and separate from the danger of the situation. And if you don't have somebody that can help you in that, I want you to know we will. 
We will find you a professional counselor that can help you through that, and there is no danger. There is no uh, shame in ever getting that situation because no one deserves to ever be in any kind of abusive relationship. God's kids don't deserve that. And so we're in this thing, and I want to talk about eliminating the escape. And here's why. I'm tired of walk, uh, driving by yard signs that say $189 for a divorce, if you call this name, this number. I'm tired of listening to sports radio. And there's a lawyer on there that is advertising that they can get you out of your marriage and get you the most from the other person. I'm tired of hearing it. You know why? Because I'm sick of watching what God designed as something holy be torn apart by everything else in life. I'm tired of it. And so from this day forward, I want us to just take, I believe generations would be forever shifted and forever changed if we just said, I will eliminate the escape from this day forward. No matter where you are in your relationship, no matter if you're, and I want to tell you, if you're engaged, if you're dating, you have, an, you have a, a jump on the rest of us that are married because now you get to say, I, that is not an option for me, and I will set that as a ground rule from the beginning. So if that's an option for you, then in some of us, I hear this, well, my parents did that, and so it's just kind of inevitable that I'm probably going to go through it. No, you break the generational curse of division in your life. You don't have to go through that if we eliminate the escape. We're going to talk about that today. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6, he actually approaches the issue here. He talks about what that looks like and, and what that means. And, and it says that some of the Pharisees came to him and they were testing him and they were asking him. And they, In other words, let me break it down historically and contextually. Pharisees are the ultra-religious people that have everything figured out and you're dumb and they're not. That's the best way I know to put it. They know how to pray better than you, worship better than you. They know how to do church better than you. They know how to connect with God better than you, and you're doing it wrong, and they're doing it right. And if you don't do it like them, then you don't love God. That's the Pharisees. They're too, too heavenly-minded for their own physical good, right? And so they're in this thing, and they, it says that they're trying to test him. In other words, they're trying to back him into a corner. They're trying to back him into a place to where he's going to say something out of line, but I don't know if they, well, they clearly don't know the Jesus I know because everything he says and does is strategic. And it says that they asked him this, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Now, here's why they asked that. we got to know the context. Context is king. He, they asked him because in those days, I hate saying this, but it's true. In those days, in the culture, women had no value. The only value they had was attached to the man that they were married to. And so if a man in those days didn't like the woman anymore or didn't like what she was doing or she didn't uphold her end of the bargain, he would divorce her and throw her almost to the side, right? And here's what would happen. She now had no value because she had no man and now she's also damaged goods because she's been divorced and no man wanted anything to do with her. And so they're coming to Jesus going, hey, is this okay if they do that? They wanted to hear his answer based on physical law. And so they asked him, is it is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and he said, I love this. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. They shall become what? Say it with me. One flesh. They shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but what? One flesh and whatever and what therefore God has joined together. Let no man separate. And so there's a, there's something that takes place, right? That whenever we get married and we make that promise and we make those vows before God, before friends, before family, 
before pastor, before all these things. When we get into that place, now our lives are two separate individuals that now are come together. It's like taking two pieces of paper and super gluing them together. You now not, don't have one piece of paper. I mean, two pieces of paper, you have one that is super glued together. Now, here is why it hurts so bad to go through divorce. Some of you, some of you are either going through it, some of you have grown up in it, some of you have gone through it in the past and you know the pain that is associated with the divorce and the separation. Here's why. Because when you super glue two pieces of paper and you pull them back apart again, what happens? It rips. Pieces of the paper rip together and it, and, it, and, it, and it hurts and it's painful and you have to piece the paper back together to make it whole again. And so what happens is it's impossible, hear me, it is impossible to take what God made one and make it two again without ripping something out. It's impossible because God said, I believe in marriage so much that at the beginning of time in Genesis, I'm going to create a marriage that's going to populate the entire earth. And then in Revelation, he says, I'm going to come back again for my bride, which is the church, the followers of Jesus. I'm going to create a wedding reception. I don't know about y'all. I love receptions. Anybody with me? I love my reception was a party 12 years ago. I'm just saying. We didn't even have to have any of the alcohol or any of that stuff. That ain't a party to me. We partied with Sprite. And we had fun. And it was great. And I did the worm on the dance floor. Y'all ain't know nothing about all that. Jesus, God says, when I come back for my bride, I'm going to throw the party of all parties. And it's going to be an amazing ride. And we're going to join back together because what... God put together, let no man tear apart. It's painful. And here's the thing is, the, the pain it comes in this, whenever we are joined together, but we try to rip apart what God put together, or we try to become one too soon. Because often what happens, and I just want to talk to it for a minute, is that we're dating and we're enamored with each other, but then we start entering into covenant things that God meant to only bring us together once we've made the covenant and commitment to each other. Now we're living together, we're sleeping together, and we love them enough to sleep with them when nobody's around, but we don't love them enough to commit to them when everybody's around. I don't love you enough to go through a wedding reception and, a, and, 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 and give you my hand in marriage, but I love you enough to take your clothes off. And God's saying, you're entering into something that's binding you together. It was meant to bind two people together in a spiritual and physical bond. And now you want to know why it hurts so bad and you're carrying so much baggage and you have no belief in yourself. It's because you bound together what was never meant to be together. And when you bound it together, you ripped it back apart again. And now a piece of you is ripped in half. And that's why we got to be careful. I know it got quiet on that. It did first service too. It's all good. We got to be careful not to rip apart what God meant to be together. But we got to be careful not to put together what God never meant to be together too soon. Because here's the truth, and I want to I give you this thought in marriage. It's going to come on the screen. It's, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. A contract is built on mutual distrust. A contract is built on, I've got an out. If I want to get out of this, then I get, you know, if you're renting a, a, a place and you sign the papers on the rental agreement, you pay a down payment or a security deposit. Do you know why? Because if you want to get out of it, they got something, they got skin in the game and they're going to get something out of it. It's, I don't trust you to fulfill this covenant or this contract, so therefore if you break it, here's what I get. Vice versa, it's the same way. But a covenant is a promise that should never be broken. 
forever. If you look in the Old Testament, if you look in the Bible, there's so much scripture and there's so many stories about covenants with God. In fact, Jesus is the fulfillment of a covenant that God gave to his people. And it's the covenant of redemption and right relationship with him. And God never gives a covenant and breaks it ever in the history of the universe. It's not going to happen. Why? A covenant is built on mutual commitment. A contract is mutual distrust. A covenant is mutual commitment. So a covenant is going, I promise to never walk away from this. I promise to fight for you because I believe in you. I promise that I love you enough to do whatever I need to do. I promise that I love you as God loves you. I promise that when it gets hard, I'll fight. And when it gets mad, and when I get mad, I'll fight. Whenever it gets difficult, I'll fight for you. I'll fight for you. Because I've covenanted my life to you. Now, I know people think pastors get up here and don't have any issues whatsoever. But I'm here to tell you, like in my marriage, I gave my ring to my wife twice and told her I couldn't do this anymore. Early in our marriage, I said, I'm done. I'm out. Can't, this, this is crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> I, I'm crazy. This is crazy. Right? I'm selfish. You're selfish. Like, we went through it. She looked at me and told me, if this is how it's going to be, i got to go. This isn't what... I called my youth pastor. I was 25 years old and called the guy that was my youth pastor in my life that I believed. I called him at like 10 o'clock at night one time, and I said, this is not what I signed up for. I don't think I can do this. And he, here was his words to me. I told the guys in office this week. Here's what he told me. You don't have a choice. You made a promise. And you don't have a choice but to, but to keep it. So you better find a way to make it happen. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> hey, I've been there. I know that. So I don't want to talk about just getting into this thing because here's what we said in our vows. For better or for what? Worse. In richer or in? For sickness or in? I commit my life to you. If I didn't mean that, I don't need to say it. The Bible tells me to make my yes my yes and my no my no. In other words, stand by what you say. Let your words back up your faith. And so I want to talk to you today, not about just staying and going, I'm just going to be miserable in this marriage the rest of my life. I'm just got to stay. But what can we do to make it better? What can we do to make ourselves better? And in Galatians chapter 6, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, it says this. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will, reap, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. I think in order to grow a marriage that makes a difference, we have to learn the principles of sowing and reaping. I think this principle applies to finances, it applies to marriage, and it applies to everything in our life, health, everything else. And here's the first point we've got to understand in our marriage to be healthy. And I want to, I want to, I want to show, before I get to that, hang on, cliffhanger. I want to show you what it actually means to be committed to a marriage. Because I know some of you are sitting in the room today and you're going, I don't know if I can fight through this any longer. I don't know if I can do that, but... I, I got something right here from somebody in our church. I got a stack of papers that came in a manila envelope. And here's what it says. It says, South Carolina, County of Kershaw, the family court of the Fifth Judicial Circuit, 
verified complaint. This is divorce papers that a couple in our church had drawn up by a lawyer, they paid for, they signed off on, and they never sent in because they decided God was going to get the final word and now they serve in our church. They're raising godly kids. They're making a difference. And they're better than they've ever been before. God does have the final word. It's not over. Fight. Give it. Don't give up. Keep giving in. Keep loving them because God has the final word. Here's what I want you to know. I know it feels dead. I know it feels like the papers have to be turned in. But you serve a God that specializes in redemption and in resurrection. He specializes in bringing things back from the dead again. This is proof that God has your back. He can bring anything back. I'm telling you, I know this couple. I know what they said. You know what they said? I can't do this. It's too far gone. I got to file them, but I'm going to give them one more shot. No, you're not. I'm going to give God a shot and God redeemed it all. God redeemed it. And here's the beautiful thing. Hear me. This ain't the only couple in this church with filing papers that are sitting in their desk drawer reminding them what God's done in their life. It's not over. And so if we learn the, the principles of sowing and reaping, and I know this couple does this. Is the first thing is this. We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. They're learning this. They're doing this in their marriage today. We reap what we sow. I'm not going to sow an apple seed and get an orange tree. But many of us want to sow complaints and get love. We reap what we sow. Did you know that scientifically they say that smiling and laughing, smiling and laughing, do something in your heart and in your mind that now elevates everything about you to a place to where you begin to think about happy things without even knowing it. Your brain just goes, boop, happy. Some of y'all, that's the first time you've been happy all morning. I'm just kidding. Calm down. It's all right. I love you. It does, man. It makes you... I watched a video this week. It's a, it's a mom sitting in a high chair with a little baby. I don't know how old the baby was. Y'all probably seen the video. And she fake sneezes. And this baby lets out the biggest belly laugh I've ever heard in my time. Y'all, I watched that thing probably 75 times. Tears rolling down my face. I don't even know the baby. I don't know the mom. I don't even know what they were eating. I don't know what was happening. I just know that baby's laugh made me laugh. You sow what you reap, right? If you want joy, guess what? Sow joy. If you don't want confusion, don't sow confusion. Many of us want a husband or a wife that loves us and, and has sex with us and is always attracting. Y'all like sex. Yeah, radiate kids. We just back there. Anyway, all this stuff. And so we got this thing where we, we want this, but I'm going to sow complaints. I'm going to sow frustration. I'm going to talk about what they do wrong and never about what they do right. And I'm sowing the same anger, I'm reaping the same anger from them that I'm sowing into them. And hear me, hear me, please, please hear this. That what you say about your spouse when they're not around is still a seed that you will reap from. I can't believe they do this. I can't believe they do that. Can you believe that? He didn't get me nothing but heart chocolate from CVS for Valentine's Day. And then men, y'all are back there talking to your, hu your, your husband, no, your, your friends, and here's what you're saying. You're going, she had another headache last night. Can you believe that? I'm going to buy stock in Tylenol. 
listen, listen. <laughs> Let's just talk about marriage, y'all. Listen. You reap. Why did that catch you off guard so bad? <laughs> you reap what you sow. If I don't, if I want God's glory out of their life, I'd better start sowing the belief that God has in them in their life. You want. If you sow complaints, you're going to get complaints. If you sow negativity, you're going to get negativity. If you sow frustration, you're going to get some frustration. But if I sow love and I sow joy and I sow uh, attraction and I show... Man, some of us just... Listen, dress up for your spouse again. Go on dates again. Don't get mad that they don't love you and want to be around you whenever you don't spend any time together anymore. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. The second one is, in, in, in the whole thing, is... Um, well, let me go back. Let me say this. If you don't like what you're getting in your relationship, ask what you're giving. If I don't like what I'm getting out of my relationship, I have to go, what am I giving? What am I giving? Because if I'm not getting what I need out of this relationship, I'm probably not giving something that would cause that. I got to get, listen, men. You want more? Show her she's more to you than that. Some up. Ladies, if you want him to love you more openly and you want him to be more affectionate and spend time with you, spend time with him. Enjoying what he enjoys. You reap what you sow. And then the second one is this. I reap where I sow. So if I go and I take that same apple seed and I plant it over here, I'm not going to come back in 10 years over here and expect there to be an apple tree, am I? Why? I didn't sow it over here. Where did I plant it? Over there. So sometimes I'm looking for fruit in the places I never sowed. How many times am I looking for my marriage to become something when I'm sowing all my seed in my career? How many times am I looking for my wife or my husband to become this over here, but I'm sowing all my seed into the hobby? No wonder your golf game's better than your marriage because you spend all your time sowing into your golf game and not into your marriage. Man, be careful not to have a kid-centered marriage because if you sow all your seed into your kids and not into your spouse, your spouse will become a roommate. And now we don't know how to act when the kids aren't around. You ever been, been on a date and go, I don't even know what to talk about. I bet me right here. I got three. I don't even know what to talk about. They're not around. He's not screaming at me. Oh, my gosh. You know what that's an indication for for me? I've spent probably too much time focusing on them than I, and sowing seed into my kids than I have them. I'm not telling you to go home and don't parent. I'm telling you to go home and make sure your kids aren't the only focus of your marriage because if they are, our priorities are out of whack and we'll love our kids more than we do our spouse. And that's not the way it was intended to be. We've got to come to a place where we understand we sow, we reap what we sow. Are you, is this helping? And we reap where we sow. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. And, and I, I want to give you this thought today that your marriage will be as good as you both decide that it will be. You both decide. I know some of you are in marriages where one of you is working hard and the other's not. Keep sowing your seed. Keep being what you, what you expect. Keep sowing where you want fruit. Keep sowing what fruit you want. Keep being what you need to be. Don't worry about them becoming the right one. Just be the right one. 
Your marriage will be as good as you both decide that it will be. Engaged singles, hear me today. You have the opportunity right now to decide together how good is my marriage going to be. And the number one thing you got to do is you got to build it on God. And the number two thing is you got to eliminate the escape. And here's what that means. Doing things the way God wants them done. Because God is blessing the marriage. You can't bless it like he can. You can't. I want to show you what it looks like real quick. And we're going to watch about a two or three minute video of a couple that decided, I'm not giving up. I'm eliminating the escape. I'm not going to live this life. I'm not going to walk away from it. I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to covenant to you. I'm not in a contract. I'm in a covenant, and I'm going to fight for this thing through the hard times and the good things. Pay attention to the screen for just a couple minutes for me. So Roll and I met in college. What I noticed first about him really was his love of the Lord. I saw her one day and uh, just said, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And really and truly thought, he's it. Like, he is my everything. Like, he's going to meet and complete me and that I was going to be the same for him. I really thought that I've got this thing. I've seen it done in my house. I want to improve on that for sure. And really had no clue on what expectations were of me for marriage. Right after the honeymoon, you know, we come back and just start working two full-time jobs and started to see just kind of the, the brokenness in one another. And we just thought, wow, if we go ahead and start a family, that that's going to make everything better. Spent a lot of time throwing myself into work and traveling and focusing a lot on our girls. I got out of God's Word uh, and didn't spend a lot of time in prayer anymore. As soon as we realized each other's differences and when conflict began, man, I began to look for ways to satisfy. And what that looked like with me was a porn addiction. And that led to just engaging in a relationship with a gentleman that I met in a gym and made the decision to be unfaithful. The thing that happened in our marriage with, with Susan, uh, you know, having an affair uh, really made me think about, you know, my own life and, and things that I had hidden. I was traveling and I, I was unfaithful to Susan. It was, just a, it was just stepping across the line. I knew enough about God and what He wanted from us and His forgiveness of us. I knew I did not want a divorce. Lots of friends and family gave advice. Hey, nobody forgives that you are doomed. You might as well just go ahead and divorce. So I was moving in that direction. But one couple, very faithful friends of ours that were walking closely with the Lord, sat down with both of us and just said, hey, would you be willing to come to a church in the area and check out this ministry called Reengage? We walk in this church, didn't know anybody, and the couple on stage began to share their story. And as they began to share about the healing and the restoration part, it was because of the relationship with Jesus Christ. The detail, the authenticity of the story that they gave, uh, I have never heard that. At first it made you feel just a little bit uncomfortable, but I liked it and I was drawn to it. And it made me feel like this was a place where Susan and I could get healing, and uh, we did. 
and I learned how to forgive and I learned how to show grace. I learned how to take God's Word and apply it to our marriage. And when I look back over that season in our marriage, I see the destruction and the pain that sin caused. But seeing now just clearly what God's design for marriage is, it is truly to glorify Him and to honor Him and to show the love that He has for His church. God has redeemed and restored what was once headed for divorce. Wow. So here's the truth. There's story after story. I got papers of people that you pass in the hallways at Radiate Church that decided the same thing. I've got a video of an older couple that you don't know that decided the same thing. Here's what I do know. is that God believes enough in your spouse and in you to never give up, to never walk, out, walk away, to never walk out, to never stop loving you. Maybe you got stuff you need to work on. Maybe you got addictions you got to break. Maybe you got baggage you got to get rid of. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Is God believes in the union of marriage so much that it's intertwined throughout the entire Bible when he talks about relationship with us. We are his bride, he is our groom, and he's waiting for the marriage day where we come back together again on the side of eternity. And we love each other and we come together and we party together because we're committed to each other. I know that God believes in the union of marriage and here's what I know. I know that no matter where you are today, God believes in you. He will not walk out on you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you alone. He will be there. But do you believe in them as much as he does? That's what commitment is. It's going, I love you and I commit to you and I believe in you enough that I'll work on me to make you better. And I'll do whatever I got to do to support you and love you and I will eliminate the escape. I love, I love, I love the ending of Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. It says, let us not lose heart in doing good or what is right. For in due time, when you plant a seed, harvest doesn't happen immediately. It takes a season. It takes watering. It takes fertilizing. It takes working. It takes getting messy. It takes getting hot and sweaty and being tired and frustrated. It takes finding the time. For in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary. The enemy, the devil, Satan will try to convince you your marriage is not worth it. I would venture to say the greatest way we can parent the next generation is to show them how to love their spouse. I would venture to say that the greatest way to show somebody God's love is to show them their, your marriage as an example. I would venture to say that when we say there's an escape, we've already made up in our minds that if they don't live up to our contract, we've got a way out. Let's eliminate the escape. No matter if your marriage is upcoming or right now, eliminate the escape. Do it God's way. And watch God change lives. If you would, just stand to your feet with me. At this moment, we're about to dismiss. And I just want to ask with heads bowed and eyes closed, I got to start, as I said last week, with personal life. 
we got to work on us sometimes to work on the unit of marriage. But how many of you in the room would say this? Pastor, the first thing i got to do is give my life to Jesus. i I got I to ask for forgiveness. i got to start this life with Jesus, this eternal life with Him. Because I want to be everything that I can be, not only for me, but for my spouse, for God, for my kids. I want to live for something greater. And I need to do that through salvation. i got to start that way. If you're in the room and you want to join the two people that already raised their hands in this room today and say, I want to give my life to Jesus today, would you throw your hand in the air and say, I need to pray that salvation prayer? Amen. Now, I want to pray. And I know that maybe you're in the room and you're single or your significant other isn't here. I want to encourage you to take the symbolic action in just a moment and pray for yourself if you're committed to eliminating the escape. Pray for your spouse that's not even here yet. But I also want to ask that if you're here with your spouse and you're at a place where you're going, I'm going to commit to eliminate the escape. I'm going to commit to do this thing the way God wants it done. Maybe you're engaged and you got to say, I'm going to do it the way God wants this thing done. But whatever it is, I'm going to do it the way God wants it. I'm going to watch God's blessing over my marriage and I'm going to eliminate the escape. If you're ready to say, I commit to that today, would you grab your spouse's hand and would you hold that thing up high in the air together as a unit? If you're here by yourself, that's fine. Raise your hand if you're committed to that. And just say, this is my, this is my commitment to eliminate the escape. Hold it up. I'm just going to pray over you today. It's just symbolic. It's symbolic. Father, we honor you. And God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for bringing together two individuals to make one complete unit. God, I pray that we would do things your way, that we would allow your blessing and your honor and your glory in this room and in these marriages and in these relationships. And God, I pray right now that we would eliminate the escape. We would eliminate the escape, God. We would only glorify you. God, that we will sow, uh, reap what we sow and where we sow, and we do it according to your word, and we, we reap or, or sow where we need to according to what you say. God, we honor you. I thank you that we are getting stronger. And God, we're going to change generations and change lives as we, as we allow you to change us. God, we honor you and praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, listen, one quick thing. We got something exciting planned for next week, a special gift. My beautiful bride is going to be on the stage with me next Sunday, and we're going to be talking about marriage. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be interactive. This week on social media, we're going to ask you for some questions and some feedback on some things. We want to know what you want to talk about. You get to drive the conversation next week, and so we want you to participate in that. Grab some invites. Invite somebody. Hey, congratulations. We're eliminating the escape. I love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.